0: So uh, I remember when I was in elementary school, or middle school, um, where, uh, when I was at St. Mary's, we used to have, uh, throughout the course of our years, um, there were different years where we had big major projects that we had to do. Um, fifth grade, we had to do a float uh, for our little parade at, at Mardi Gras time. Uh, sixth grade, it was a social studies project. Seventh grade, it was a science project. And eighth grade, you had to do a project, and you could pick which one you wanted to do. Um, so I remember, it, with the social studies projects, um, were always a very, very interesting thing. Um, what they would do is, is they, they were always due right when we came back from the Christmas break. Um, so most sixth graders spent time working on their social studies projects during uh, the Christmas break. Um, what it actually translated into was most parents of sixth graders spent most of their break working on a social studies project for their sixth grade kid, Right? Um, I I remember my, when I was in sixth grade, uh, my project was going to be on the history of Coca-Cola. Uh, and I remember my mom did such a good job writing a paper, um, and, and, and then coming up with an idea of what to do. Like she did such a good job on the project and I got to throw my name on it at the end and just kind of pretend that I did it, you know? Um, and most kids in my class, like that's the kind of thing that they had. So what they would do is, is they would put all the boards out in like this, this one, like space in our in our school Uh, and then right after Christmas break we would have open house and you'd have to come see like all the work people were doing and stuff so people from the parish would come on over well as people would come over um one of the big stops was always to go walk through and see the social studies and science projects so I remember uh my my, I remember my parents they told me this story I was in sixth grade I went to be with my friends doing something getting in trouble something like that my mom and my dad are standing in this hall with all of the poster boards, right? The big tri-fold poster boards, and everybody's got all their stuff out, and it's all pretty, and everything's great. And as parents are walking through, my dad overheard something a, a, an aisle over. And it was two people, actually like adults, laughing at one of the projects. And, and, and my dad said, it, it stuck with him. When he walked around, he saw that the, the project, it was a project, I'll never forget this. It was a project on Babe Ruth. And the board was the cheapest cardboard kind of board that you could find. And on the board, while my board was like, it was Coca-Cola, it was red, and it had like a border, and it looked, like, it looked like a kindergarten teacher that was really excited on her first day of like teaching, right? Like it was like really done up. So like, when he walked around though, he saw this board was the most plain thing you could think of. It was a word that said babe, a word that said Ruth, that had just been printed off of a computer, right? Times New Roman, big font, cut out, pasted on. It was a clip art picture of a baseball player and a clip art picture here, and it was just like, it was the most cheaply put together Windows 95 version of a project board you could possibly imagine, right? And he thought about it for a sec. My dad, he was, it it got him angry. And he and my mom started talking and they were standing by this project. My dad told my mom what was going on. And my mom said, you know what? If I was a judge, this wouldn't be the one that would win. Because this is the one that, out of all the projects in this room, this is the one that a student actually did. Right? It was interesting because if they, if the person don't know who it was, still don't know to this day who it was that, that made the joke or laughed or whatever, um, but if they knew the person um, so the kid that did this project, was one of my classmates, Uh, his dad had passed away, his mom was dealing with her own issues and was kind of in and out of his life at different times. He was kind of being raised by his teenage sister, and when it came to a project that he had to do where he had to put a poster board together and a paper together and a presentation together, um, he was completely by himself at 12 years old to do all of this without any help from his family. I, on the other hand, when my project was being done for me, basically, as a 12-year-old, was like sitting in the other room playing PlayStation, uh, and my mom and dad were putting the board together, and they were getting mad at me because I wasn't in the room helping out. I, I got to type my report after my mom had wrote it freehand, right? Like, so when I think of the, like, like I think of my buddy in that situation, and, and, and looking back on it, I have a, I, like, it's almost overwhelming to think that to be able to like or just to be that student like think about it for a second like like you're 12 years old you're being handed a project everybody else is getting help but you're not everybody else has parents that are going to be involved you don't everybody else has somebody that they can give the give the speech to and allow them to read over the paper at the very least if they're not doing it for them and and you're by yourself every step of the way. Like the burden of the assignment, there is no one help. Whereas on the other side, and, and you're sitting like me, you don't even realize the, the, the help that's available and that's just kind of ready to bail you out. Now, a, a 12-year-old with a social studies project Right? It might be kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that's like, okay, yeah. We, we've experienced those kind of things. You might be a 21 year old sitting in, in school and being like, I got projects too, and like, I feel overwhelmed and it's last minute and I didn't start studying until the day before, right? Like, <clears> hi. <throat> uh, but, but you know, like, the, 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 I think there are spaces in our life that, that we find ourselves, whatever the burden might be, that we're handed something and it just seems overwhelming and too big. And too much, definitely beyond my capacity. There's a contrast, though, when we have to try and face it and feel the burden by ourselves, or when that burden is meant to be shared with a friend, a spouse. Or, as we hear in an invitation today in our gospel, with our Lord. Jesus uses a very interesting line at the end of today's gospel. Um, that That if we're not familiar with what the reference point is, we'll miss. But he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now we've probably heard this line before. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. If if we've gone to Mass, if we read the Gospels, if we're familiar with Scripture, it's one of the famous Scriptures, It's one of the famous sayings of Jesus. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. If a a first century Jew would have heard what Jesus said, though, when He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, they would have thought He was absolutely out of His mind. Because their point of reference of what a yoke is, is far from easy and far from light. Let me explain. Um, a yoke, right? Um, a yoke was what was put on oxen to get them to carry or to pull a plow through the land. Right? Uh, what, what they did was is they would take typically two oxen, put a yoke over their shoulders and strap them in. And two oxen would pull a plow, a heavy plow behind them. And basically what it would do, it would till up the land so that you could plant and that you can bring about your crops. Right? So when, when, when the, the, the common name that was used for oxen was a beast of burden, right? So when, he, it, when Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, a, a first century Jew would have heard this and said, that doesn't really make sense. Because everything that we've ever seen about a yoke and about strapping it to oxen is far from easy and it's far from light. It was the hard work that was being done by these big, dumb, strong animals. That's what they do. They do the hard work. They carry the heavy burden so that I, the farmer, don't have to. But Jesus, when he he uses images in parables, typically he does a little bit of a twist. And and in the twist is where he's trying to teach us something. Right? In In the... in the kind of nonsensical part of a parable, in the nonsensical part of an image, is where he typically tries to teach us something. So when he's saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, I think there's a couple of things he's trying to teach us about heaviness and burdens of life. I, and I think we could come up with three of them for tonight. The first one is... My yoke is easy, my burden is light. A yoke was not meant to be something that was done singularly. You were not alone in the yoke. Typically it was two oxen that were pulling on a yoke. So my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus is saying, you're not alone in the burden. You're not like my buddy at 12 years old, by yourself with assignment that's a little bit too big, and a little bit too heavy, and a little bit too much. In our own burdens, whatever it might be, our grief, our sin, our struggle. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm struggling, the first thing that I typically do is I close off and I push others away. I'll probably put on a happy face. Oh, I'm good. Everything's fine. No big deal. It's all right. Yeah. Cool. And in reality, behind the door, behind the facade, it's, I'm by myself. And it's a lot. And I don't really want to carry it. Definitely don't want to be alone in my thoughts. It's easier to distract myself. Instead of just dealing with the burden that's there. What, what Jesus is saying is that my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's saying the, the burdens that you're dealing with, the struggles that you're dealing with, are not meant to be taken on alone. Just like one beast doesn't have to pull the plow by itself. You're not alone. It with your burden. You have help. I'm here for you. Which leads me to my second point in about the yoke is that it's not our yoke; it's Christ's yoke. Jesus doesn't say, My my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He, He doesn't say, like, oh, your yoke will always be easy, your yoke will always be light, your burdens will always be easy, your burdens will not be a problem. He says, No, 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 no. Draw close to me and let me be the one who does the heavy lifting. Jesus says, draw close to me and draw close to me and my cross. My burden, the burden, the one that was effective, and let me be the one who does the heavy lifting with it. Because if you think about it, two two oxen side by side, both pulling on a plow, right? If one is weaker than the other, if they're both pulling, the stronger one is going to get more of the weight. If you've ever had to move, if if you've ever had like tried to help somebody unload something out of a vehicle and it was like really heavy. Like it might be like wood or like a, a, a suitcase or a box or something, right? And you go to pick it up and it's like two people have to pick it up. If, if I'm stronger than the person on the other side, I'm going to carry most of the weight when we go to pick it up. They're just going to carry a piece of it, right? Or you pick up the heavier side and the other person gets the lighter side, right? That kind of thing. Well, in the same way, when, when two oxen are pulling, the heavier, the stronger one does the heavier lifting. Jesus doesn't say you're not going to struggle. Jesus doesn't say you're not going to experience burden. Jesus says, yoke yourself to me. Connect yourself to me. Be next to me and let me do the heavier lifting. Because I've done it before. Like last week we heard Jesus say, we we heard Jesus tell his apostles, right? Uh, Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. What does Jesus do? A couple of chapters later, he denies himself. He picks up his cross that is condemned, that is thrown on him. A a condemnation that is thrown on him unjustly, right? And he carries the cross. He shows them what it is for him to carry the yoke. Jesus is saying, I've done it already. So since I've already done it, just yoke yourself to me. Like, connect yourself to me. Draw close to me in your suffering. Let me do the heavy lifting. Finally, the last of the, the things about a yoke was that when these animals were pulling, they didn't see the fruitfulness necessarily. Like if you think about it, right, they, they, these, there's two big oxen, <laughs> oxen that are pulling this plow behind them, right? They, they are just trudging along in the field, right? And, and what's happening is, is that the plow is digging into the dirt and digging into the hard ground and, and causing the, the, the dirt to stir up and, and tilling the ground behind them. They didn't necessarily see what kind of impact it was having. They didn't kind of see the fruitfulness that was coming about. They just knew at the time, I'm dealing with a burden and a struggle, and I'm just pulling. We don't necessarily see the graces that are being won. We don't necessarily see the growth that's being had as we draw closer to the Lord in our suffering. There was a priest that once uh, once told me, he said, nobody grows at Disney World. Which is funny. It's it's true. Like you go to Disney World for a vacation. It's like you might get fatter, but you don't really grow, right? Like, like it's just like celebration and ha ha. It's perpetual adolescence. Everybody feels like a kid. And then you come home and you're like, that was fun, but it was kind of like a, it was kind of fleeting. It was kind of like a spark and it went away. Typically, we grow through suffering. We grow through some kind of pain. We grow through some kind of hurt or some kind of struggle. If you ever go like to the gym, you ever run, something like that, what are you doing? You're breaking down your body so that what? You can grow from it. We grow in struggle. We might not see it. Sometimes the struggle is just a little bit too big. But when we stay committed to the Lord, when we draw closer to the Lord, when we stay cl- when we stay with Him in the suffering, That's where we find growth. I, I think of some of, the, some of the hardest times in my life. Some of the biggest struggles in my life. Whether it be the passing of a family member, through the struggle of a hurricane, COVID, whatever it was, the people that were closest to me, on the other end, we came out closer. Right? We, we, we drew closer together. Especially when I, was in, like when, when I experienced the hardest stuff of life. In the same way, when we're dealing with struggle, when we invite the Lord in, when we allow God to be with us in the hurt, with us in the burden, we draw closer to Him. As we, I find, and this is just me, but I find one of the things that we, that we do a bad job of in the church, um, it is making us, be- like there's a, there's a lie out there that makes us believe that when we say yes to Jesus, that there is no suffering after that. And if, that, if that's what we think we're doing, where we say yes, and like we would now win the lottery and everything goes away and there's never going to be struggle, that, that's a lie. <laughs> and it belongs in hell. Because what what yes to Jesus means is that I'm willing to draw close to you even when things go bad. That I'm willing to draw close to you especially because things are bad. Jesus is not the prize for those who are perfect. He's not the prize for a perfect life. Instead, He's the one that supports us especially when we're failing. Especially when we're struggling. Wherever we find ourselves, whether we're right now things are great and everything's perfect, whether right now you're struggling and you're grieving, whether right now you are like I, I'm overwhelmed, or if you know that you're gonna be one day, the Lord still continues to invite, invite us to be with Him in the struggles. Whether that struggle be something from ourselves but that a will be something that has been imposed on us by someone else. The Lord continues to invite us to draw closer to Him, especially when we're weakest. Especially when the burden is a little bit too big, especially when we feel alone. Tonight as we come to Mass, that's what we do. We we draw closer to Him. We, We put on His yoke. And and we call Him on His promise. Jesus isn't lying when He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But it's an invitation for us to lean in to our relationship with Him. Especially when things are hard. May tonight, as, as we come to this Mass, we not be bashful about inviting Him in. That we not... Be, be worried or concerned or try and put on a good face to say, that, oh no, Lord, I'm good. But that we invite him in to every place that we're suffering, every place that we're burdened. Because he meant it when he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light.